Welcome to Remember When, a podcast for capturing the stories, insights, and lessons learned that will enable you to age forward with grace and ease. I'm your host, Kiki, and today's episode is sponsored by Elder Pride 2023. Now here's Reverend Jack Elliott, or as we like to call him, RJ. Thank you, Kiki. So I'm excited about today's show. You know, I'm going to give you a little tease to the essay that is posted on elderprideforme.org. The essay is entitled 181. Now, it is a tribute to my dear friends, Marsha and Vera. And as you may have mentioned, or you may have remembered rather from our episode last week, uh, Vera recently made her transition. But I wanted to talk about their relationship because it taught me so much about relationships. Uh, these are two women that had done the typical thing of women in their generation. So born in the early 40s, uh, you know, find a good husband, get married, make sure that husband has a good career, do the right thing. Both of them did it. Uh, Marsha's husband was the lead attorney for Pacific Bell. Uh, Vera's husband was a huge mattress manufacturer out of the East Coast. And so they had affluent lives, privileged lives, and they were doing all the things that they thought they were supposed to do. And they randomly met at a wedding. And so it was one of those situations where they happened to be placed at table number 12 or whatever it might be, and you get to meet other couples there. So it was a husband and wife and a husband and wife and, you know, probably other people at that table. But the two women kind of sitting next to one another, really kind of engaged in conversation and found that they had a lot in common. And so they kind of struck up a friendship. Well, one of the things that happened not long after that initial first meeting is Marsha's son became ill with AIDS. And Vera, being the dutiful good friend, stepped up and said, what is it that I can do to support you? So she immediately became Marsha's ally and immediately was right in there being the caretaker, dealing with everything that had to be done in the care of Stephen. Well, as Stephen's disease progressed and Stephen got to the point of his life where he was really in hospice, these two women had been so attentive in their care for Stephen that even Stephen looked up at them one day and said, y'all need to take a break, you know? And so they looked at it and they really looked at the time that they had spent together and realized that there was a more of an attraction between the two of them than what they had been calling just a friendship. friendship. Now, again, one of the things that happened in the coming out process, we'll go into denial about that. You know, maybe it's the circumstances that are happening or whatever it is, but both of these women were in their early 50s when this was happening to them. And so one time they finally decided that they were going to go to Carmel 
for the weekend and just relax. Stephen was in hospice care at Kaiser Hospital, would be taken care of. And so they went in to say that they were taking off for the weekend. And Stephen looked up to them and said, when are you going to admit that the two of you are in love with one another? So Stephen could see it. And so they went to Carmel, they checked into the hotel. And let's just say by the time they left Carmel, they were indeed a couple. And so what they would do is to really in their life, remember the significance of that weekend. You know, Stephen made his transition and they went on to fund a nonprofit organization called the Genard AIDS Foundation, where they would raise money to care for all those costs that weren't covered by Social Security, that were not covered by a family's ability to pay on their own, to care for others that were infected with HIV or affected with dealing and coping with this disease. Their funds were unrestricted, so they could pay to fly a parent out from the East Coast to the West Coast if that was needed. They could pay for dental care, vision care, some of the things that wouldn't be taken care of. So in this window of time, in the early 90s, they raised over a million dollars in the Gennard AIDS Foundation. And I came to know them by being on a committee called the AIDS Consortium, which was an oversight committee for the disbursement of the Ryan White funds. We became great friends and soon I was the president of their nonprofit and I was in charge of helping them do this annual auction that they would do. Well, as you can imagine, raising money, just like in a political campaign, really tests any relationship. And so they would have expectations and disagreements and, you know, and they would argue. They would absolutely argue. But if it ever got to a point, there would be a moment when one of them would simply shout out a number. I'm going to call the number 181. That was not their number. Their number that they would shout out to one another was the hotel room number for that first weekend in Carmel. And so what they would do is if it ever got too intense, simply by saying that number would take them both back into a memory of that wonderful weekend they had together. And somebody would be apologizing. We'd be making up. We'd be doing it differently. Well, I noticed that. And one of the things that it taught me is I was always a person that avoided conflict at any cost. I had probably up at that point in time, two long-term relationships under my belt, and I had never had an argument in either one of those relationships because I couldn't handle it. To me, if somebody argued, that meant somebody was about to leave. And so I would do anything to manipulate the conversation so that it would not go to arguing. But what they taught me 
their arguing and their passion was just the, a measure of the depths of the beliefs for what they believed about the thing, but it never negated the love. Whenever they would say the number, I immediately got to see that somebody stayed in the relationship. They figured it out, they worked it out, they did what was necessary to have a healing in that situation. Now, they overcame many, many obstacles in this journey, as I'm sure that you can imagine. So my essay today, entitled 181, which is posted on the website, will really introduce you to them and what that is about and pays tribute to Vera. But what I would do just for fun with them if we were in the car together and they would just start to bicker or it would get out of control and I think they would even forget that I was there, I would simply shout 181. And they would immediately start to laugh because they knew exactly what I was doing. They knew that my 181 had nothing to do with their sacred number, but it was a universal message of, come on now, Let's temper it down. Let's temper it down. So that's my introduction for our story this week, 181. I hope you go read it and enjoy it and comment on it. Kiki. Thank you, RJ. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to reading it. And um, uh, I, we might have to adopt 181 as our, as our number as well. I love that. I love the refocusing, et cetera. And I understand that, uh, thank you, and thank you again for that story. I understand that uh, we're going to start with the homework today. We are, because I want to invite you to re-look at relationships. If you've been around me for the last few years or done anything with Elder Pride or uh, any of the other entities that I've been involved with, you know, I have often talked about the circle of friends. And so I want you each to have a sheet of paper and a writing utensil. Now, again, it's a blank sheet of paper. You're going to jot some stuff down. You're not going to show it to anyone. You're not going to send it in as a homework assignment. But I want you to write down kind of as we go along what comes to mind. You know, so just as Marsha and Vera had to reimagine their relationship from going from, you know, a typical married couple in Northern California to being a lesbian couple that were in love with one another and caring for a person in hospice care, they had to always reimagine who they surrounded themselves with, who was their circle of friends. Well, the same thing is true for us, for those of us in the autumn of our life. If there were ever a time that it was time to reassess who's there and what is their role, it is this time and it is now. And so the thing that I want you to do first on this sheet of paper is to draw a circle right in the middle of the page about the size of a half a dollar. You know, and if you don't know what a half a dollar is, <laughs> Google it, <laughs> you know. Uh, but, you know, a little two-inch circle in diameter. 
And in the center of that circle, I want you to put a little heart. And I want you to think about that heart as representing you. And then that circle that you've just drawn, drawn on your sheet of paper, name it your intimate circle. Now, what do I mean by intimate circle and by this time in life? Well, historically, the intimate circle, I might say, oh, well, that's your soulmate, that's your spouse, that's the person, you know, that, uh, you know, is going to be there. Well, as we are in the autumn of our life, many of us are single. But what we have to understand is that intimate circle kind of takes on more significance and meaning at this time of our life. That intimate circle is going to contain the name of your power of attorney, the person that has the ability to communicate any medical directives that you might have. That's that level of intimacy and trust that I'm talking about in this particular circle. Now, it may very well be your spouse. It may very well be your intimate, most sacred relationship, but it also may not be. And oftentimes in the counseling and the coaching that I have done with our peers at this time of life, I have found that it's this circle that has the most room for air and chaos in our life and our autumn years. Sometimes folks have set up these medical directives to be an elder brother or sister that is no longer in their life or may not have been in their life for many years. So it's time to re-look at who do we want in that intimate circle? And as another friend would say, and I'm going to say this in the most spiritual way, who's the person that you'd be willing to wipe your butt? Because that's what it really gets down to. And it really is an opportunity for us to name it, clarify it, and decide what that's going to be. Okay. So there's not going to be a lot of people in this intimate circle probably three or four or five at the most, you know, but I want you to actively be thinking who is in this circle, not who's there now and that's okay and I can be fine with that, but re-evaluate. Is my spouse capable of making the decisions that need to be made? Maybe you're noticing something about your spouse now where a little memory loss is going on, a little something else is going on, and you're going to have to make the decision, oh, this may need to be somebody on the outside. This may need to be someone else. It does not belittle the relationship that I have with my spouse, but I have to be prepared. The other thing that has frequently come up in my conversations with other folks is there are couples who are together 
And you can tell by listening to their stories that the one spouse is more clear that they're going to be the surviving spouse. So they have put everything in order to that intention that they are going to be the surviving spouse. And they've never even asked the question, what happens if that isn't so? So this exercise, this exercise of defining that intimate circle will help you to take a fresh look at that. Now, the next circle, what I want you to do outside of that smaller circle, draw a bigger circle so that you can put some more names in that circle. And that circle is going to be entitled your chosen family and friends circle. Now, again, what's important to remember in this circle, you know, my brother is in my chosen family and friend circle. My biological brother, my birth brother is in there. But my brother is not in my intimate circle because he's 2,000 miles away from me. Now, it's not a slam on him not to be in my intimate circle. If I lived in the same town with him, maybe he would be. But he is in my chosen family and friend circle that is just around that. That's an important circle. That's the people that you want to make sure you're in active communication with, that you're having that frequent text messaging with, or your frequent phone call, or FaceTiming, or having a Zoom meeting with them from time to time, making plans to get together for the annual family reunion, or going back and spending times with them for the holidays because of the celebration of what that relationship is to you. Now, if you're estranged from a biological or birth family member, this is not the time to be dragging them into that circle. You are going to put your face mask on first. You are going to take care of you first. You are only going to allow people, that's why the word chosen is there, that you want to have in that circle. You can do the side work, what forgiveness needs to happen, what you know am I called to do to make sure that I either heal that other relationship or have closure with that other relationship. But this is a sacred circle that you're defining around you. This is the circle of chosen family and friends who you cannot wait to talk to, who you think, oh my goodness, it's been two days since I have talked to so-and-so, I'm going to send them a text just to let them know that I'm thinking about them. You know, one of my chosen friends sends me a text every morning, have a good day, and a text every evening, hope you had a good evening. I see them once a year at Thanksgiving. But in the meantime, I know that they're thinking about me and I'm thinking about them each and every day. Okay, the next circle go around that circle and make an even bigger circle is your allies. Now your allies is a different way of looking at the people in your life. So for example, an ally might be your favorite bank teller. Your ally might be your gardener. Now I 
really enjoy my gardener. I've had my gardener for about six years now. And what I know is he really cares and respects me. He knows that my vision is challenged. So one of the things that he does each week is he checks the timers on the watering system of my house to make sure it's working appropriately, set to what the city standards are of how frequently we should water, and it's taken care of. And every time he leaves, he says, Mr. Elliot, I want you to know all the gates are locked, everything's secure, well, you're good, see you in two weeks. That's an ally. That is the type of person that you want to celebrate and maintain in your life in this time of life so that you have an opportunity to make sure you're surrounded by people that have your back. This is also the person that drives you to your medical appointments. And this is an important person to have in your life. And I want you to really spend some time thinking about who this should be. This is not the person that drives you to the front door, drops you off, and comes back in an hour to pick you up. That may be an ally as well. But one of the things I want to encourage us to do is to have someone go to the doctor's appointment with you. Now, if they physically cannot go to the doctor's appointment with you, get permission from the doctor to say, I'm going to call my friend, Mary, and she's going to be listening in on the phone because I don't want to miss anything. Because I know we've each have had that experience of being with our primary care physician where we get all kinds of new information. And then we get home and it was like, what did he say? Did he say, I'm supposed to take this one in the morning and and once in the evening, uh, you know, we, we kind of get foggy because we're getting all that information live and we're emotionally responding to whatever is being said. So we're not the best witness to our own experience of that. And it's essential to have that other ally with you for these medical appointments so that you have that opportunity to check in with them. If they're on the phone or if they're with you in person, they may even offer a question to you to say, now, do you need those instructions printed out or are you going to remember them? You know, they may be coaching you just to kind of know what you need to say and do in that particular information. So that's an ally. You know, yes, the driver that picks you up to take you to an appointment or the driver that picks you up to take you to church or to a friend's house to play bridge or whatever it is. Yep, that's an ally too. And that's who you want to put in this circle. Who are my allies? Who are my people that I count on? I know that even when I go to the grocery store, there is one checkout person that I love being in her aisle because it just makes me feel good to hear her voice and hear her banter of how she communicates with other people. It's just so refreshing that I don't even care whether there's six people in line in front of me and the line to the left only has three people. I'm going to be in her line because that makes that an enjoyable experience for that day. Now we're going to draw one more circle on the outside of that circle 
And that circle is going to be your family and friendship community. Friendship community are the people that keep us engaged in this process of life. And what do I mean by that? Well, Kiki's gonna tell you a story in a little bit about how she connected with voter registration and calling on folks as a part of an activity where she was engaged with like-minded people. You know, this for you may be, there are people in our community that have breakfast every Saturday morning. It's the only time they see one another, but boy, if somebody misses that breakfast at Denny's, they're on the phone call. Hey, Harry, why were you not there this week? It's just getting out and about and making sure that you're out and about. And if you're not out and about, knowing that there's going to be a group of people that go, hey, where were you? Maybe it's a book club. Maybe it's your spiritual center for a Sunday service. Whatever it might be, who are those people in what I'm calling your friendship community? All of these, wherever people fall in this circle, are all sacred relationships. They're all sacred. There is no harm in moving people from one circle to another. Like I used in my example, if I'm in the same town with my brother, then he's in the intimate circle. But if I'm not in town with my brother, then he moves back down to the chosen family and friends circle. Likewise, you may meet somebody in the community of friendships that you have that you suddenly are drawn and get closer to. And they introduce you to somebody else that you say, oh, this would be a great advocate to go with me to the doctor. They know medical jargon. They understand what's going on. Or maybe they have had a similar experience to mine. So I want you this week to map out your circle of friends. And then we will talk more in, in the future about what you do with each one. But I want to introduce this idea that it's time for you to take a look at who is in your life and what does that mean? So that's our homework for this week. And that's what I want to start with. But Kiki, you have a wonderful story about how you were doing one thing and it led to another thing and led to another thing just recently. So I'd love for you to share about that because I think that feeds right into what we were talking about. Thank you, RJ. And, and it definitely does. And it will, as I do the homework, it's, it's informed how I'm going to put these people in my circle um, and 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 move some of them. So um, recently, um, I was helping someone who I would say is in is in my friends' family and friendship community. Um, you know, in in the outer circle, uh, this person um, uh, you know had been in the hospital and needed help. Um, and so, I, but I didn't even know what kind of help that they needed, but I decided um, I had time to help them. I could help them. 
I didn't know them that well. I had in the past uh, been to their home maybe once, but I decided to just take a leap of faith and they needed help and to show up and do whatever was needed. Um, and I did that. And in the course of, of hanging out with them and helping with them, they just began to talk to me and tell me stories. And one of the stories that they told me about was about someone else who had came in to help them. And that person um, was going to be going to Georgia uh, to help out, uh, help canvas for the runoff election between Senator Warnock and Herschel Walker. And uh, when the story was revealed, it was also revealed that an organization was providing airfare and, um, and housing uh, in a hotel to help with that. And it just immediately I was opened up and said, this is something that I want to do and that I have time to do and that I can do. And I asked uh, the friend who I was helping if she could introduce me to the person she knew who was who was going, and um, she did. She immediately, and this is like a, a story of our generation, uh, picked up her landline phone and had the person's number saved uh, on speed dial and called them, didn't do any introduction, but handed me the phone. So um, I took the phone and I introduced myself and, and said who I was and, and said, I understand you're going to Georgia. And the person said, yes. And I'm like, do you know whether they need anybody to help, any more people to help? Um, and uh, the person said, no, I don't know. But if you send me your information, I will put you in contact with the, uh, with the organizers. So I did. And I, I took one other step before that. As I was doing it, um, sending my contact information, I envisioned myself on a plane flying to Georgia to help. Um, so I knew that it was going to happen. Um, and, uh, and this was a very short turnaround. I think it was, let's say it was on a, a Tuesday when, um, I was, uh, uh, helping out the friend and, and found out about this. And within, Four days, I was on a plane flying to Georgia and uh, having another experience, another good experience and expansion in my circle because I, I met people uh, even from being picked up as a, at a volunteer, by a volunteer at the airport. I met people who were interested in doing the same thing that I was doing and helping out. And um, I couldn't. I could not and did not envision that these people would also be an active part of my life and, um, you know, had a great experience there. And a lot of the people that I met were from the same area that I live in, even though we were in, in Georgia. So I have their contact information and they are going to be continue to be part of my life. And the other wonderful thing is that um, we got Senator Warnock uh, reelected, so um, a very good and big bonus. And it really, I realize even uh, R.J. Before you told the story about the circle of friends, that 
within this whole process, even from just helping out someone and not knowing what was going to happen and being exposed to other things that um, this is something now that I'm actively thinking about in terms of the circle of friends and the various various levels and, and moving around as well. I so appreciate that. And one of the things that I want to offer that you pointed out that the original action you took was in your friendship community, but it led to introductions and new relationships could fall in all the other circles, quite frankly. And it would be so easy for us in our life to say no to activities and events that might happen in that spiritual friendship kind of level of the circle, that friendship community, because it's raining today. Oh, I'll go the next time they do it. You know, I uh, recently was invited to go to a holiday concert and it was just like, mm, typically the ally that would drive couldn't go because they were an active participant in the concert. And so it meant I got to do lift. And, ah, I don't want to do lift. It's, you know, it'd be dark. I don't know, you know, kind of thing. And then, no, I'm going to do it anyway. And so when I did and I got there, suddenly I realized that it had been two years since I had been around two or 300 people at one time. And just the energy of the room, you know, we have all gone to those concerts in our life where at the end, everybody back in the day would light their lighter, you know, kind of do the, you know, community one mind community thing. Now they light up the light on their cell phone and do the same thing. It felt so empowering to be connected at that level that I thought, why would I have denied myself this experience? just because I didn't want to call a Lyft driver. And so we may have to be our own advocate to get ourselves out there to do it. And, you know, one of the things that we'll talk about in other circles is to keep it moving, keep it moving, keep the connections going. You know, we have at Elder Pride, a group of people who started to meet at four o'clock in the afternoon in March of 2020, just because the world shut down, you know, and I'm here to say in next March of 2023, they're going to celebrate three years of getting together every day at four o'clock just to be in community with one another. And that's one of the gifts of being your own advocate and taking dominion of your own life at this time of your life. You know, that's what we're up to. And one of the things that I know is where you put your focus, it expands. So if you're putting your focus on isolation, separation, and oh, woe is me, you're going to see more examples of that. But if you put your focus on, hey, let me recognize 
the places where I can still be with friendly folks in my community? Where can I put my focus on the allies that really support me? Where can I put my focus on connecting with my chosen family and friends? Then you're going to have a blessed experience at this time of your life. What else? Kiki, any questions? Because I know your questions are often <laughs> questions that folks out in the world are going to have. But as we wrap up today, what are your thoughts? What are your questions? Well, something uh, that sparked what you said is, um, uh, you know, whatever you put out there, you know, really multiplies because I feel like, and you mentioned the isolation, um, uh, I am coming out of a period where I isolated and now I am looking at things uh, and being open to things that have me be in community with uh, folks, even if I have trepidation about it. Um, you, you know, you mentioned you're going out, um, you know, to the, you know, party and, you know, music where they're, where they're going to be all these people. Um, I just wanted to add a short story on the same day that I flew out um, to Georgia I had two other things to do. One was something um, for my son that to, to take him to a medical appointment. The other thing was it was going to be the 40th anniversary of a journalism group that I'm involved with, the Bay Area Black Journalists Association. It was pouring down raining, and I thought, I, I don't... I don't want to go out, you know, I don't want to drive in the rain. This is too much. And I, and I also don't know what the gathering is going to be. They said it was a reception. Is it a program? What's going to happen? Who's going to be there? And I just saw myself talking myself out of it. And, um, and even though I had also talked to other people and asked them if they were going to go and, um, and, you know, told them that I was going to be there. And then I got, a a text from uh, a friend who said that that they were going to be there and then said, you know what, it's pouring down raining. My light in my car uh, is out. One light is out. I'm not going to do it. And I saw myself talking myself into not doing it. But I just sat for a moment and was still and listened and said, I want to be in community. I can make the effort. Maybe I'll go and only stay for two minutes, but I will make the effort and go and and be there. And um, and then it was also some a little distance away. So I had all these excuses, but I put all that aside. I made the effort. And um, one, it was great being in community and seeing people that I hadn't seen for for three years <laughs> at least. Um, um, and the other really wonderful thing that happened was, and I had no idea that this person was going to be there, um, and I'll say her name. Her name is Brenda Payton. She used to be an op-ed columnist for the Oakland Tribune um, years ago, and I think it was about 1997, I was taking a class um, at Media Alliance with uh, a group of people, it was the class was called Bay Area Mentorship for Reporters of Color. And they had different people come in and teach us about different facets of writing. Brenda Payton came in and taught 
a two-hour seminar on op-ed writing, and it was that exact moment that I decided that I wanted to write op-eds. Um, so that woman, Brenda Payton, was at this event um, that I was trying not to go to. Um, so it was wonderful to see her and to, you know, thank her and tell her. And I've seen her over the years, but it probably has been uh, 20 years <laughs> since I saw her. So it was, it was that moment alone and I got to take a picture and it really, you know, uh, validated why I was there and why it was important to be in community. And um, yeah, so I, I, I you thank have you. have to celebrate the gift. We have to really celebrate the gift. Appearance. Yes. And that's, and that's what I want to uh, help us to see that when we push through, right. there is a gift on the other side waiting for us. And we need to celebrate that gift. We have that opportunity to celebrate that gift. And there were many, there were many gifts, um, RJ, which is good. And 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 to be open enough to to see it. And uh, and it's almost like I, mean, I heard this expression, you know, feel the fear and do it anyway. Um, but also, as you said, recognize the gifts and knowing that. I was being my own advocate also that this 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 helped me and I also have no idea whether I mean I you know saw feedback on social media but there were people who I saw there that I may that I may have you know had some interaction with before I may have had some impact on and they're recognizing me as a gift um, yeah. So yeah. So I'll I'll and 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 then I also just should add that on my trip to Georgia, which I chronicled on social media, the number of people who were appreciative of me just going and and showing up was amazing, and I I didn't expect or anticipate that. And I felt that I was in community with them, and many of them said, "I feel like you're there." with me and for me and representing me. And that's what community is about. Absolutely. It's a gift and we get to make it up however we want it at this time of our life, you know? And I'm, I'm reminded of my mom who in high school, uh, she graduated from high school in 1933 and her five girlfriends in high school made a pack that they were going to get together once a month just to check in with one another. So that would be our community of friendships. So they got together once a month, played cards together, had meals together, went out to restaurants together, later in life went to one another's doctor's appointments together. So they became their allies to one another. Uh, and when they went to their 60th high school reunion, they were the only six women in their class still alive. And they marveled that that had to be because they had stayed so connected and stayed so in one another's life to empower one another, to be there for one another and to do it. Now, the other thing that I would be remiss if I did not mention right now 
you may be listening to this podcast and go, well, that's all and fine. But in this small little town that I'm living in or in this community, I'm feeling nothing but alone and isolated right now. Okay, I want to invite you to start to notice this friendship community, this ally community. If you meditate on it, if you become quiet and you reflect on it, one of the things I want to invite you to see is because you have put that focus on the isolation for so long, you may not even notice anymore who is right there willing to be there in your life. Have you said hello to your mailman? Have you, do you even know your mailman's name? You know, so that would be the place that I would start. And here's why I want to do that. I had the experience several years ago of living across the street from a delightful woman by the name of Barbara. And Barbara was an oncology nurse at one of the major hospitals in the Bay Area. Well, one day I was out talking to Barbara at the end of my driveway and the mail lady came by. And as she was putting the mail in my box, she heard Barbara's voice. And all of a sudden she shuts the mail truck off and she gets out and she walks over to us and said, did you used to be a nurse at this particular hospital? And Barbara said, well, yes, I did. I was the oncology nurse. And this woman just started to sob. She said, I was a cancer patient. I was a patient in that hospital and nobody knew me. But when I opened my eyes, your eyes were the first eyes that I saw. And the look in your eyes told me that I was going to be okay. Your voice was the one that soothed me, even when I couldn't respond to anything that was being said. I always prayed that someday we would meet again. Today they met. And one of the things that Barbara went on to tell me is that often that happens in, you know, hospital situations or that the nurse, the doctor, the caretaker never gets to see the patient again, never really gets to understand or know whatever happened. And so I say, start with the male person. You know, the universe is sending somebody to your door each and every day to greet you. Greet them first. Now, maybe it won't go anything, but it activates that action. It activates that gene of starting to communicate. When you're at the checkout line, at the pharmacy, at the market, ask the person their name. Let them know. A friend of mine used to say, catch people doing something good and let them know. So if you're in that checkout line and that cashier smiles, say, thank you for smiling. You made my day. That starts a chain reaction. That starts some stuff happening and some new folks will come in your life. So start where you are and you will be doing just fine.
I love that. Uh, start where you are. Um, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's definitely a, a good place. Um, you know, any place. So take it home, Kiki. Thank you. Um, so today's episode is sponsored by Elder Pride 2023. RJ, what's Elder Pride 2023? Tell us about it. Okay, so this is one of those opportunities for you to get out and connect with your friendship community. In June, the last weekend in June, the last Friday and Saturday of June, we are going to gather in Oakland, California for Elder Pride 2023. It's going to be two days of conferences, workshops, and breakout sessions where you're going to do things just like you did today. There are going to be some homework. There are going to be activities that you're going to work on by getting your life in order and taking dominion over your life. If you haven't put your power of attorney in place, if you haven't worked on your trust, you're going to find out how to do those things and when to do it. You know, but you're also going to really be looking at the relationships in your life so that you can build community. So this becomes the best time of your life. In fact, you people are going to look at you and say, this person is handling aging with the grace and ease that I want to handle it in my life. So that's Elder Pride 2023. Save the dates on your calendar and plan to be there and pay attention for more information to follow. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, so you've been listening to Remember When, a podcast presented by Elder Pride 2023. Uh, this podcast has been produced and edited by Reverend Jack Elliott, a.k.a. RJ, and Kiki. You can find the Remember Me podcast wherever you find your podcasts. It's copyrighted in 2022, Elder Pride Incorporated, and Reverend Jack Elliott. For more information, visit elderprideforme.org or write us at elderprideinfo at gmail.com. Thank you.